This is the EXO Podcast, and I'm your host, Brent Evans. With me today, as always, is Sean Reed and Caitlin Edwards. Yeah. What's hey, up? This, I guess this is a big episode, right? The big eight? Eight. The eighth episode we've done together. Yeah. Congratulations, you made it. I want, I want my cake. You want a cake? Eighth episode cake. We can make like two cakes together, put an X and an O. Mm. Oh. Awesome. That would, be so that would feel so complete. <laughs> We've got a great episode coming up today. We're talking about finances and marriage. Anybody who's married, anybody who's living in the world today knows that money is a big deal, but when you're married, it's even a bigger deal. And so we're talking today about how that dynamic plays into marriage, what you're doing with your money, what you're doing with your lives. It all matters. It all makes sense. And the divorce statistics prove that money makes a huge impact on a marriage. So we're talking about that today. We have a special guest David Thompson coming up in the next segment, but first... Let's talk about the news. Let's talk about it. Before we get into any articles, we have to we have to mention it. Prince Harry, he's getting married. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, they're engaged. It's We got another royal wedding to sit in front of the TV. It's always in England, so you have to get up at like 3 in the morning and watch it, you know. I still have memories, vivid memories of uh, Charles and Diana's wedding. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom mm-hmm. being yeah, You know, she's been married it. before. Uh-oh. Meghan Markle has? Yeah. She's been married before. She's, I think she's older than him, too. We need to send her the link to this podcast. Yeah, what's up with, what's up with her name? What why, do you mean? Why can't we come up with a universal way to spell Megan? Why does everybody have to diff- have a different... You're dogging on her name? I just am, I'm just... For the, for the good of the people. How is it? What is it? M-E-G? Meg Han. Meg Han. probably the traditional Gaelic spelling of the word. I'm sure it is. But your name's Caitlin, and you spell it the way most people should spell it, but then Thank there's... You. It's a hot. It's hotly debated. Yeah. I wanted it to be spelled differently growing up. There's a million different ways, but I don't think that her name is the biggest issue here. Well, my, with my name, not that we would get off of names or whatever, but my name is Brent. But everybody calls me Brett, really, or Brad. Some people have called me Seen. 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 Reed. I was like, what? Okay. All right. Well, congratulations, congratulations Prince Harry <laughs> and Meghan Markle. Oh, well, let's get down into it. This first article that we have, um, it's gotten some traction on Facebook recently. It came out in a small, I think it was a Naples uh, um, newspaper at the beginning of this year, but it's getting some traction on Facebook. And it's called Your Kids Should Not Be the Most Important. And this is a pretty controversial topic. It's something, I, I'm a new mom. There's lots of Facebook groups online uh, where you can be a part of it, you know, an April group. Anybody who had babies in April can be a part of this group. And they've discussed this. Who's the most important person in your family? Is it your children or is it you and your spouse? Mm. And overwhelmingly, everyone in my groups tend to think that it's about the kids. Well, this article, it's authored by John Roseman. He's a family psychologist. And he asked this couple who had three kids who weren't yet teenagers, who's the most important people, who are the most important people in your family? And the response was, our children are, but they couldn't really give a good reason why. Mm. And so in this article, he's positing that many of the problems that we experience with our children today is because we make them the focus and the center of our universe. Um, and that all these problems exist because we're we're making them it, it about everything instead of it being the other way around, it being about the couple. And so uh, he even goes on to say, the most important person in an army is the general. The most important person in a corporation is the CEO. The most important person in a classroom is the teacher. And the most important people in a family are the parents. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. The family has, I mean, the parents have to be, in, in my opinion, because we're raising the children. And so we're, we're to be the example of what they need, mm-hmm. not only relationally between husband and wife, but then at the same time, just examples within society, within leadership and everything else like that. So if we're not healthy, 
then what are they really learning? What are they receiving within themselves? If kids learn by not just what we say, but what they see, Mm -hmm. and we're not showing them submission to authority one to another, and we're not at the same time showing them like order and structure within the home, Mm -hmm. which I believe God instituted, order is necessary in every aspect of life, right? right? And everywhere that we go. And so how much more important is it for a husband and a wife to have order within the relationship mm-hmm. and for children to be able to look up and see the example of what they should aspire to be one day, right? Yeah. So if we lose that, then all of a sudden you have a situation where you can have division between a husband and wife. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and he argues that they you actually launch into society better if you haven't been so coddled. He talks about previous generations. Adults talk to each other more than they talk to their children. The children were more independent and they launched better into their own lives and societies because they weren't so used to their entire universe being about mm-hmm. them. It's, but it's easy to do that because in the season of life, <clears throat> in the season of life that I'm in, I have a ten-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old. It just it just feels like they're the most important things mm-hmm. in your marriage, even if you're trying not because they're to the squeakiest wheel. Yes, and so even like for my four-year-old right now, we're trying to teach him that whenever we're talking, mo- mother and father are talking. Uh, we don't call each other mother and father when you're mother and father. Talking. Uh, but, but when we're we're discussing something, stepping out of the house or even in the car or whatever, he's he's not allowed to just interrupt whenever he wants to. Mm-hmm. So they come and they put their hand on us, let us know that they want to talk. I mean, that gets annoying sometimes. We're like, get your hand off of us. We're talking mm-hmm. here. Uh, but just making sure that they know that when we're dealing with something, if we're, if we're t- discussing something, they're not always going to get the first of our attention. We're going to focus our attention on each other, solve the problems that we need to solve, have communication that we need to have. And then at some point, they get that next they get that next priority right. step for us. And it's, right. it's a, we love our kids and we want them to be the best, but I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. If you coddle your kids and they think that they're the epicenter of the, of the world and they have this entitlement mentality that if I want it, I get it. Every mm-hmm. time I, I ask for something, I get it. Or whenever I speak up, my parents are always there just to, to focus and they, they, mm-hmm. they drop everything um, to, to focus on that. I just think it sets the kid up for failure. Yeah. And it off, obviously, because I know y'all have kids that are get, getting older and mm-hmm. out of the house, at some point, it's just your, it's just you and your spouse, and you're yeah. stuck with each other. No yeah. kids around. Right. You last longer than your relationship with your children. Mm-hmm. So yeah, parenting is a temporary assignment. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, we raise them to release them, and after they're gone, what do you have? And it, if we've spent several years or the majority of the years that we've had children together, if we've spent those years kind of pushing your spouse, you know, to the bottom of the pile of the, you know, priorities right. and all of a sudden what's going to be there when those kids are gone, is there a lot of hurt? Is there resentment? Because I wasn't as important. I couldn't get your attention. You didn't show me as much love. And all of a sudden the children are gone and you're left with a lot of hurt and baggage. Mm-hmm. So that's a dangerous predicament to be in. So I would encourage couples to make sure Sure that we keep the priority of hey God first, my spouse is second, and then come my kids. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Next up, we have an article. This is from the Independent, and this is about John Gottman. Everybody has heard of Dr. John Gottman. He has been said to be able to predict divorce with a ninety percent accuracy, and he's revealed that making a partner feel despised or worthless is the number one sign a marriage could be coming to an end. And he includes. You know, acting like you despise your spouse would be either using sarcasm, hostility, humor, hostile humor, name calling, body language, even eye rolling. And that mm-hmm. when he looks at a couple and they're using those behaviors frequently, that it's a sign that you're going down the wrong road. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, when contempt begins to overwhelm your relationship, you tend to forget entirely your partner's positive qualities, at least while you're feeling upset, which I think is really interesting. And then he talks about the way to reverse that is to remember why you fell in love with them, to think about all the things that you did at first and remember their positive qualities to kind of reverse that mental state where you're Mm -hmm. despising them. And 
I think it's so true. A wise person in my life told me that if you're ever having a hard time seeing your spouse in a positive light or remembering what you love about your spouse, ask God to show you how he sees them mm-hmm. and to remind you of how he sees them. Because that, that little bit of contempt, even that eye rolling and that hostile humor can lead you down a bad road. Absolutely. Um, I was there for a long time. Um, I was kind of a jerk, you know, with my anger and with my temper. And I used my mouth um, sarcastically like so much that after a while, uh, my wife, I I don't think that she became numb to it, but she just internalized all of her thoughts Mm -hmm. because she knew that if she spoke up at a certain point, all it was going to lead to was just another fight. It was going to be another argument. And I was going to use my mouth basically to further push her into this place of, um, feeling like she's a victim. And yeah. so um, that was one of the worst things that I could have done. And it was horrible. But I've seen other couples that I've counseled, I've seen couples throughout the years go through this same struggle. And I'm on the other side of it now to where we use our words to build one another up. Mm-hmm. It's just so much better. It takes so much work to sit there and be angry all the time. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of energy, uh, worthless energy, to just stay upset, angry, and to be so resentful. And so um, and it's poisonous. Oh, it, Even absolutely. Jimmy talks about how if you go to bed on that contempt, the devil ministers to you in your sleep and yes. lies to you about Then you wake up really believing those things about your spouse that aren't yeah. true. Yeah, and I was the poster child for that. My wife is fantastic. Okay, she's like awesome. She's great she really for me. Is. She's fantastic for our kids. But mm-hmm. during that time, all I saw was what I was frustrated with about her, what I didn't like, what she wasn't doing for me. Mm-hmm. I was the epitome of selfishness. And it was because I was stuck in this rut of being exactly like he said. I was in contempt. And I'm despising the gift that God gave me rather than honoring her and appreciating her because I didn't see those great qualities. And so it does take an awakening and some humility, you know, to get to a place to where you say, okay, do I really want to live in a house that I'm self-sabotaging and I'm ripping my own house apart? Satan really doesn't even have to work to destroy the marriage. I'm doing it myself, right? Do I want that or do I want God's best for me? And if I want God's best and I have to step back and say, okay, who is my wife in God's eyes? Mm -hmm. Who is my spouse, you know, to me? Yeah. Yeah. Is it a Jim Carrey movie? I hold myself in contempt. That's <laughs> what so you have to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Step back and just say to your spouse, ah, okay. Hey, let's talk about date night. Let's do it. Every time we talk about date night. And I, this week, went online to getdatebox.com, and I used the promo code XOPODCAST. I'm waiting for my box. Are you? You are. I'm okay, good. I'm waiting for my box. So we know how good the, the guys at Get Date Box is. We have signed up ourselves. We, we love the service. This is... They also have a digital version of this, but they also have a physical version as well. If you go to getdatebox.com, check out all that they have to offer. This is a monthly subscription service. They send you a new box in the mail every month that gives you everything you need to have a great date night. Even if you do a date night once a month, I think we would all say that's awesome. Yeah. If you're in a date night funk, you need this. Yes, you do. Are you and Cole going to dive into the box when it comes? We are. I'm excited to see what it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's important. So go to get, getdatebox.com, check it out, use the promo code XOPODCAST, get your first month for free. All you have to do is pay $5 for shipping, and we'll be right back. Watch this XO clip. When you get married, you become one. It means everything that you owned and controlled before you got married, now you own it and control it together. You do it together. So today we have prenuptial agreements. And prenuptial agreements say, if we get married and we divorce, I'm going to keep the Volkswagen in the aquarium. (laughs) You're planning the end from the beginning. And here's what you're saying. I'm not going to give you something. I'm not going to give you something. Dominance destroys the spirit of a marriage. 
Selfishness destroys the spirit of a marriage. We get married to share. Marriage is about sharing. If you don't want to share, don't get married. But marriage is about sharing. They too shall become one. You know what that means? Even children from a previous marriage, they have to belong to each other. We have to share those children. We have to make decisions about those children together. The the word my is a destructive word in marriage. It's our. It's our home. It's our jobs. It's our money. These are our children. Regardless of biologically where they came from, they're ours. Why are they ours? Because we're married. They too shall become one. Listen, the word, the most profound word for intimacy ever created was one. One. You know what that means? Indistinguishable. Inseparable. That means, here's, here's what it means with Karen and me. If you came into our home, every single thing we have, we have together. All right, welcome back to the podcast. We have a special guest, and we're talking about finances and marriage. Associate Pastor at Gateway Church, David Thompson, welcome. Hey, welcome. I am so glad to be here with you guys. You came across the highway to be with us. It was a long journey. It was a long (laughs) journey, yeah. Gateway Church does so many great things for so many people, but one of the things that they're known for, according to especially with Pastor Robert, is giving and finances. And, and the Blessed Life book has been published in many years, been helping couples and people succeed in finances. But you specifically in the stewardship ministry are helping couples and people succeed every week with finances. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. You hear Pastor Robert's heart, and generosity is such a huge piece of that. Uh, the blessed life, understanding our role as Christians, and being generous, and uh, basically being imitators of God for God so loved that he gave. But when he shared the blessed life message, it exploded, it blew up, people were being blessed by it. But then on the flip side, there were people that were saying, hey, it's not working for me. This whole giving is not working. How do I get my finances right? And he had just made the assumption that people were stewarding well, that they were managing their finances and being generous. And unfortunately, you can't make that assumption in today's culture. Uh, Almost none of us are taught anything by our family, uh, our friends. We kind of pick up little things from the culture and we're influenced by advertising in the media, but we don't learn any of those basics of stewardship, managing, budgeting, getting out of debt, saving. And so that's what we have the pleasure of doing in our stewardship ministry is teaching others how to manage those finances. And it goes hand in hand with that life. It's good. Well, that's what we want you to do today is talk to our listeners about how they can pick up some of those principles. And uh, we know that with marriage, uh, it's one of the top reasons for divorce and it's listed actually in the top four reasons and the stress that it causes and everything that happens. So when you're dealing with couples or you're talking to people about to get married, talk about some of the things that you're teaching them and helping them to, to, to do in their uh, yeah. So pre-marriage, um, this is such a huge passion for me. My wife and I, we went through an eight-week pre-marriage course at Gateway uh, about six years ago before we got married, and it was a huge blessing. And one of the eight weeks of topics was on finances. Mm-hmm. And so now I go back and I teach that course, and I lead a team of about 80 volunteers at our South Lake campus, and I'll have them teach the course and go through different topics. But the big things in pre-marriage is you have to be in unity. Mm -hmm. And so now's the time to start that. If while you are in that engagement or courting process, as you're going through that, now's the time to say, hey, what's your background? What's your history with finances? Mm -hmm. Where where are you standing uh, on on living on a budget or how much debt do you have? There are these 
tough kind of conversations at first, but if you put them front and you say, hey, we're going to do this now, it's such such a firm foundation because each person is coming with their own set of ideas, their own thoughts, and when you come together and say, no, what does the Bible say on this? Mm-hmm. And so that's where we point people, unity, and then what's the Bible say? And as they draw towards God's word, all of a sudden they are coming closer and closer together, and you can see that in every area of their life. Yeah. That's good. So how do you get couples to really, because you get people and they, they think about things that you mentioned before, the advertising, or a lot of people, it's the fairy tale wedding. They want to have a wedding that just is this grandiose thing, unless yeah. you're Prince Harry or Meghan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you typically, you get, you get in a situation where either the parents can't afford it, and they're you yeah. know, yeah. putting too much money into it, or yeah. the couples really can't afford it, and they, they think that that's going to make all the difference in the world. And I, I totally believe in, in nice weddings, and we want people to celebrate that. Yeah. So how do you coach people to kind of dial it back a little bit or pay attention to yeah. uh, what they're doing? It, it all starts with the budget and with having that plan in place and sitting down and saying, okay, what are the key elements of this wedding? The things that we truly desire. Uh, well, we want to get married. We want to, you know, before God and man become one, that's number one. That's the most important piece. But aside from that, do we need to add a dance floor and do we need to add a DJ and how much do we need in flowers and how much are these wedding invitations going to cost? And okay, now how much is the facility going to cost? And are we going to pay our efficient, the pastor or the minister who does what, you know, you, you begin to line these out point for point and put it in, I think it's funny, but put it in an Excel sheet Mm -hmm. or grab a piece of paper and just write down at the top wedding budget and then begin to list out those prices. Look at the big number and say, can we save enough money between now and the wedding date to hit that number? And if the answer is yes, man, full steam ahead. Like, congratulations, you're doing phenomenal. If the answer is no, take a step back and say, okay, what's priority number one? Mm -hmm. We're going to the chapel and we're going to get married, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to do that. And so put that at the top of the paper Mm -hmm. and say, let's check that off and let's put our first savings towards that. Uh, It's sad because this is one of those areas that parents often feel a heavy pressure to do for their children. Mm -hmm. But think back to your wedding. Uh, when you were young and when you were growing up, were your parents able to give you a $15,000 wedding? That's, that's kind of the average cost in the U.S. It's almost crazy. I think it actually may be somewhere around 20000 now. But the wow. idea is take a step back. If you're a parent, love your children enough to teach them to manage, to teach them mm-hmm. to have a plan in place, and to set a firm but loving boundary. The most that mom and dad and I can give you is this much for your wedding, and we're going to stop here. And if you run out, you're going to have to cut things off of that wedding list. Two flowers. You can have two flowers, two flowers. and some appetizers <laughs> made from Costco. Okay, so one of the things I know that a lot of couples have when they come into marriage is student debt, student loans, student yeah. debt. And uh, you bring a lot of that into the to the relationship. So when you bring these big numbers in, um, and you're obviously going to tell your your spouse about that, or you bring credit card debt in, tell me, when couples are talking about that, how do they discuss it? And it's like a big elephant. Tell Tell me how you Man, so so let's hit let's hit before you pack on that debt. Uh, just for students out there, so you know, seventy one percent of students say that if they could do it over again, they would. They would choose a different path than the amount of debt that they chose the first time around. Uh, over fifty percent of students don't actually finish college. So that means 50% of students are taking out student loans, not finishing and not able to get the job they were looking to get. So now they've got this huge, huge burden on their back mm-hmm. without any way to pay for it or not the level of payment they'd like to make. So, so this is just to parents and to students. 
parents, be a loving parent. Right now, stand up and say, I love you enough to let you stay in your room at home while you go to community college. And you can pay for community college and work as you go. I love you enough to not endorse $10,000 a year or $20,000 a year of debt in your life. Mm -hmm. Parents say that. Students realize that most people would do it differently if they could. So take a step back. Now you're in this situation. Uh, You're married and now your spouse has $20,000 of debt. You've got $10,000 of debt. And the first and foremost thing is you've got to guard your heart. Like right now, you are committing to this person for the rest of your life. Hopefully you already have committed. You're in this relationship and you're sitting across from saying, look, this is yours and mine and we together are going to go attack this debt. It's not you have 20 and I've got 10 or you've got 100 and I've got zero. No, this is we have $30,000 of debt. We have $100,000 of debt and we're going to make a plan to aggressively go get this. The cool part about this is that if you create that plan in advance and you together say, we're going to attack this, all of a sudden you are, you're fighting this huge monster together mm-hmm. and you are building that unity. You're building that plan. You are aggressively growing tighter together mm-hmm. instead of saying, no, 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 that's, that's her debt and I'm mad at her and I'm going to allow bitterness and frustration to step into my heart. You've got to guard your heart first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So I would start there and then it's the plan. I, mean, I guess yeah, you can't emphasize it enough. Mm-hmm. Sit down on paper and say, we've got $100,000 of debt you and I, how are we going to deal with this and begin to look at that budget? And, and there's a few, not to over talk here, but a few practical things, um, dramatically cut your lifestyle. Just decide that while we're young or no matter what season of life you're in, maybe we're going to go live with family for a year while we get a huge chunk of money to go pay off this debt. Uh, Maybe we're going to allow somebody to rent the spare room in our home. Uh, Maybe we're going to have a giant garage sale, sell everything that we've got down to the bare bones. And and we are going to take one giant step forward. We're going to live on one car for six months. Uh, No car payment for that car and no insurance and no gas. And I mean, that, that can save you several thousand dollars right there. I'm not saying your whole life go with one vehicle, but begin to dramatically make changes in your life. And that's where I'd kind of start uh, the budget, the unity, the agreement, and then actually creating that aggressive plan of either taking on extra work or dramatically reducing your budget. Mm-hmm. I have fond memories. My wife and I had one car for a season of our life. I have fond memories of that, that season. Honestly, we were trying to get out of debt mm-hmm. and we had uh, this time where we were, it was, an, it was an old car too. It was not the greatest car, but we just we were happy. We didn't yeah. have you know you don't feel yeah. you don't feel the stress the burden of all these other expenses. It's amazing, especially whenever you're devoted to getting out of debt with with God. What He just yeah. starts to do in your life, and then you start to feel like you know you're just you're you're getting things in order. You're not getting all the all the stuff that you want. You just have the stuff that you need. Yeah, and you're very content and very happy. So we're, we've been talking uh, a little bit before the program about. When a couple is fighting about money, mm-hmm. especially whenever uh, a husband or a wife loses their job, uh, there's there's a catastrophic event that yeah. happens yeah. in a marriage. A lot of times the, the husband can feel like his pride is hurt and he feels terrible. And the wife can sometimes dog on him, just <laughs> dog pile on him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, how could you do this? How could you do this to our family? Which makes him feel worse. And a lot of it stems from her security issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about that dynamic in, in relationship and, and, and in money 
Yeah. And and how to approach those major major things yeah. in in life. When you're going through one of those tough challenges, uh maybe a job loss, a medical emergency, uh or you just made a bunch of bad choices early on and now they're catching up to you mm-hmm. and you're feeling the weight of that. The first thing you have to do is get in community. Uh, with people who love you. And I'm thinking of a church where you get into that church, you you grow closer to those people, you ask for um, support, not necessarily financial support, but support in that I'm going to be there for you, we're going to love on you. I, I would say go get under some good teaching in the area of finances. You first got to get some community around you because you're about to go through a struggle. And it's not going to be a one-month struggle. It's going to be six months, two years. You know, you're battling this debt. And so get yourself in a good community submit to some good teaching in this area. We've got a seven-week financial hope workshop that we do. And that seven weeks provides accountability because we'll put two coaches at a table with you as you go through the program. Dave Ramsey has a nine-week Financial Peace University course. He's an expert. So go get expert teaching from someone outside of yourself Mm -hmm. so together you can learn, shift your beliefs, shift your core values, and move together in that. So that's kind of the beginning. Now, you're in the trenches and, and you know, there's two general thoughts on this. One, the man is, he's feeling like his self-esteem is just beat to a pulp right now because maybe he lost his job or the amount of income he's bringing in isn't providing enough. And so right now he's feeling like, you know, he's, he's, he feels worthless. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not the provider. Now, biblically, God's the provider. Mm-hmm. And Deuteronomy 8.18 says that God gives us the ability to produce wealth. But we are called to be managers because he has given us those abilities. And so he's called us to go out to earn and be fruitful and multiply. But he's the provider. So first, the husband's got to turn back to God and say, Lord, you're the provider. How can I use these abilities that you've given me to take care of my family, to mm-hmm. take care of my own household first, mm-hmm. or else I'm worse than an unbeliever in First Timothy? So that's the man's role. But from the female perspective, you've got to love your husband and respect him and honor him and go to him and say, look, I love what you're doing. I appreciate you. I see the hard work. I know this is a tough season and respect and honor and love on him. Uh, For oftentimes the woman, there's this intense fear and insecurity that comes from a lack of finances. Mm -hmm. And hey, are we going to be able to keep our home? Are we going to be able to feed our kids the the food I want to feed our kids to take care of them and to keep them healthy? And so then the husband's got to come back around and he's got to say, look, thank you for respecting me. Thank you for loving on me. Even in this tough season, he's got to step in and say, I love you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to submit my own ego and I'll take any job that it takes. I will step out of my comfort zone and I will do what I can to earn for this family. Mm-hmm. We are, we are okay together. No matter what it takes, we're going to stay together in this marriage and I'm going to love you and protect you and cover you. Mm-hmm. So those are the two big needs, that love and respect. And then the fear and insecurity that would come on the... So- what what would you suggest for a spouse to do in the event that they want to budget mm. and they want to get out of debt, but their yeah. spouse, be it male or female, they're they're inactive. They're yeah. just yeah. they're just not on the same page, or they yeah. really don't care. Yeah. Um, what would you suggest to a person that's in that situation? Because I've had a lot of people who are just really frustrated that yeah. um, on one or two ends. One may be 
they don't want to share an account. Mm-hmm. They don't want to say that it's our debt. And so you have that division there or you, they may share together, but they're just not budgeting together. They're not working together on the same plan. What would you suggest? Yeah. Uh, all the statistics show that marriage is a phenomenal first step towards wealth across your entire life. Mm-hmm. If you are married, your wealth over time dramatically increases. It's like fivefold what mm-hmm. a single person will be over their lifetime. Now I say that only to cast a little bit of vision. What we are doing right now is I'm saying, look, you and I together, we've been given different skills and talents and abilities, and we are going together, going to cover each other's weaknesses, and we're going to cause each other to win further, to go further in our finances. And so it's a blessing to be married. And so now you're going to cast that vision for your spouse and say, what, what would you love to do? What has God put on your heart to do on this earth? And how can we free up our finances so that we can go ahead and em- employ you to go out and do that thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me share with you some of the things God's put on my heart. And let me share with you where I see us going. I would love for us to be able to take a vacation every year. I would love for us to one day be able to own a rental home that we can rent out to missionaries that come through. I would love for us to be able to give more uh, of our time or our finances to our favorite cause. Cast a little bit of vision and say, this is where we can go. Now, can we sit down once a month, maybe once every other week when the paycheck comes in? And you're always going to have the person that is um, really a little bit nerdy on the financial side, and they're going to love to do the Excel sheet or the budget and put that plan together. That's great. I encourage that person to put the plan together, but then they've got to sit down and set it across to the other person and say, okay, what do you want to do? Because this plan is not me, Moses, coming down from the mount and saying, this is the Ten Commandments. We're going to live by this. Mm -hmm. This is me, your spouse, submitting, hey, here's, here's my thoughts. Good. What would you change? And, and get that buy-in. It's a tough conversation. Uh, it, it starts with kind of that eyeball to eyeball, uh, kneecap to kneecap. I love you. I care about you. I can't wait for our kids to grow up. I can't wait to see these incredible things happen in our lives. Mm-hmm. And the way we're going to get there is by working together. Yeah, that's good. Caitlin, Sean, you have any more questions? Well, I would say I've been wondering if you have any opinions on roles and as when it comes to finances, whether or not a certain person in the family should be paying the bills, doing the budgeting, enforcing that, yeah. is it really just depends on whose skills are best in that area? Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's a great question. So my heart would be that there would be complete unity on the finances uh, across the board, that both spouses would be looking at that plan at the beginning of the month before the month begins. Mm-hmm. So Ashley and I, we sit down every month and we look at our Excel sheet that we created to Together. Now, this is, this is funny, uh, a sidebar. When we first got married, I had a budget, and I said, here's our plan. Like, <laughs> you know, I know this is going to work <laughs> because it's been working for me. <laughs> and she looked at it, and she said, no, that's your plan. That's not our plan. <laughs> and we had to scrap it and just completely delete <laughs> that file, start a brand new file. And you can do this on paper. I mean, literally put at the top, income minus housing minus transportation right. minus giving. You know, it's very simple. But we had to start, and I had to let her type it into the Excel sheet, and she is going line by line, and we are in agreement on each line mm-hmm. because it took both of us being in full agreement, and that's what I want to see. That's my vision for marriages and for people working on their finances together. Now, to your point, there are people that are gifted and that love to play with the numbers and that are thinking about retirement and understand stocks and bonds and are moving towards the investment investment vehicles and, and there's, they're getting excited about it while the other spouse couldn't care less. Yes, let the researcher go do the research. You know, let the person with the input strength or the learner strength go learn. But 
then there is a time that we have agreed on that we sit down together. Mm -hmm. And when we sit down, we're going to come into agreement on the plan we have moving forward. Mm -hmm. If we want to change that plan, that's fine because it's our plan and mm-hmm. we can come into agreement again to make a shift. Right. But I, David Thompson, cannot change the budget without Ashley Thompson's buy-in. We, we've essentially made a covenant to each other that this piece of paper, this represents a promise and there's integrity in us living together out this promise that we've made to each other. And yeah. if I go off and I buy something outside of the plan, mm-hmm. it can feel like infidelity because I've broken the trust of my wife. Right. And so so there is a, an element here where when we do that, we're coming into agreement. And I would love to see partners and you know people that are getting married come together fully in their finances. Mm-hmm. That's good. How do people find out more about what you're doing at the Stewardship Ministry Gateway and more about you? Yeah, the best thing to do is to Google Gateway Stewardship. So just literally type into Google the words Gateway Stewardship. It'll be the first link that comes up. And on that website, we've got online classes that are freely accessible. We have the heart of a steward, which walks through the biblical theology and the basics of what it means to manage well, according to the Bible. And then there's a special tab. It's called Guides and Forms. And I love this tab because it has a bunch of free, phenomenal resources. We spent 12 years building the stewardship ministry at Gateway. We train churches around the world, literally Romania, Tokyo, Taiwan, London. We go around the world sharing this with other churches. So feel free to jump on, reach out to us at stewardship at gatewaypeople.com. Under this guides and forms tab, you've got a complete budget plan. You've got a debt reduction plan where you can list your debt smallest to largest, and it will automatically calculate how long it's going to take to get out of debt, how much an extra $100 each month towards your debt, how quickly that's going to aggressively help you pay that debt off. And just plugging those numbers in will give you hope. Mm -hmm. It'll change your perspective on your finances. We've got a guide on investing for when you're ready to look into your 401k or deal with an IRA. And uh, if it comes to it, we have a guide for if you've lost a loved one how to handle that situation and what are some of the financial things that you need to be ready for. So there's really a comprehensive list of resources, freely accessible. Again, it's funny, but Google Gateway Stewardship. Thanks so much. Good stuff. Thanks, David. Another EXO clip coming up, and we will be right back. Every year, you need to sit down and you need to ask your question, ask a question, where are we going? Financially, with our children, with our family, where are we going? And write down the answer. Write it down. Habakkuk says, write the vision down and make it plain that he who reads it may run. Proverbs 29 says, without a vision, people are unrestrained. It means you you can't keep people together peaceably when there is no vision guiding them. The word division means two visions. Why are you divided? Because you have one vision for the kids. I have another vision for the kids. You have one vision for the finances. I have another vision for the finances. Can two walk together unless they agree? Absolutely not. If you don't agree, you're constantly trying to do this. But when the Holy Spirit brings you together in his vision, I want to give you a word now. Listen to my word. Provision. It means for the vision. Did you know sometimes the reason that we're stressed out for money is because there's lack of provision? Did you know the reason there's lack of provision is we don't have God's vision? All right, we've had a great podcast today talking about money. Yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, one of the things that uh, Pastor David said that stood out to me was that once you begin to apply some of these principles, all of a sudden you get hope. Mm-hmm. Um, what may seem like an extremely large amount of debt 
or even just division when it comes to um, a husband and wife mm-hmm. uh, as a team in the area of finance, having these discussions, putting together a plan, all of a sudden you begin to see a little bit of light at the end of what may seem like a long tunnel. All of a sudden you start recognizing that God can work through your situation and mm-hmm. you know he can make all things work together for good. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really, really, really powerful segment today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stephanie and I, my wife and I have been married for almost 20 years, but in the first few years of our marriage, that's when we struggle the most with money because uh, we we both have credit card debt coming into the marriage. We both use credit cards early in the marriage. Mm-hmm. You kind of just get into habits that you shouldn't get into, mm-hmm. and you find yourself with some debt. And it was actually uh, on a road trip that I discovered Dave Ramsey's uh, CDs, mm-hmm. CDs, the wave of the future. Old school. <laughs> and uh, I listened to them driving from Albuquerque back to Dallas. I listened to the whole thing, and I was by myself. And when I got home, I said, "Stephanie, we have to listen to these together." And we did the whole debt snowball thing, mm-hmm. all the steps. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's, it's great empowering, stuff. motivating, it's empowering, motivating. It's so it makes it so easy. If nobody knows the baby steps um, uh, that Dave t- talks about, it is. It is a baby step. I mean, it's so easy to do them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I encourage our listeners to, to take advantage of, like, like Pastor David said, take advantage of what's out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so much good stuff out there. Yeah. Apps and everything, too. It's helpful. I mean, budgeting mm-hmm. apps, there's so much online you can use. You can plug your bank information right into it. It'll manage everything for yeah, you. Yeah, we use Mint.com. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, which it, was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like everybody in the, in the Mint.com universe knows exactly what's, what's going on in our household. But um, you can do that. Manage it. It's free. Um, we download a report from that, and I manage it in Excel, all of our budgets. Yeah, my wife, she has a couple of different apps that she operates in. She and I, we meet together to discuss the vision overall, but mm-hmm. she's the main person in our home, specifically who just sits there and crunches the numbers. And every little transaction that happens within the app, it just updates, and then she plugs in the numbers again, and then we'll come back, regroup. And uh, that's the way we've been doing it for years. It works out great. Um, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. I don't want to go back to high boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a nightmare where we didn't have a budget. We didn't have a plan. We were just making like a lot of dumb mistakes. Um, but God is blessed, man. We, we got on a plan, got on a budget. She stays in her world. I'll stay in mine. But then we come together and bring those worlds together for a good vision mm-hmm. uh, for our home. And we've been able to do things that... Uh, we only dreamed about when we were younger because we've been able to climb out of a debt hole. Yeah, great. it sounds restricting, but really it's empowering what it get, what it allows you to do later on when you really see how it works. Mm-hmm. Gives you peace of mind. Mm-hmm. We talked about who manages money earlier and in terms of spouses, which one. I know my parents, my mom manages all the money. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I always remember her writing the checks, paying the bills, and they love that. My mom loves working with the finances. Mm-hmm. My dad, it's not his, his really... He, he's very articulate in finances, but he doesn't necessarily want to do all the, the money crunching mm-hmm. and everything. And I am so thankful. I haven't written a check, and I don't know how long. Most things are digital now. You pay bills online. Yeah. I hate writing checks. I know. And I think I've just finally gotten rid of the last you know uh, bill that I have to pay write a check for. And um, it's freeing. I love it. Oh, I make it automatic. I, I believe in that. We we make so much automatic. Everything just comes out. You don't even think about it. And mm-hmm. it's just going. You plan it down to the dollar. And that's one of the things I, I agree with you. I agree with FPU. Uh, a lot of the principles that Dave Ramsey has just instilled in us has now become basically just a way of life for us. But, I mean, the baby steps, debt snowball, the whole nine is fantastic. You know? Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Cole and I just paid off all of our student debt this year. Woo-hoo! We need another cake. I know. For, Where's for my the eighth cake? episode and for the 
The student loan be Where's paid off. Cake? <laughs> no, but it's a good feeling. It's good stuff. It's a really good feeling. So we have a couple of products for you to check out at the Marriage Today store. Go to marriagetoday.com forward slash store. You can check out Marriage on the Rock. It has some information there about money. Also, Our Secret Paradise. And just for our podcast listeners, if you use the code XO15, XO15, when you check out, we'll give you 15% off your purchase. And don't forget, we here, we, we do this because we are supported by friends and partners at Marriage Today. If you are... If you love what we do, if you love marriage and want to help support marriage, please consider giving a gift. Go to marriagetoday.com to find out more. Subscribe to the feed. Please thank my special co-host, Sean and Caitlin. And uh, C-A-I-T-L-I-N, right? The only right way to spell it. S-H-A-W. No. Come on, bro. S-E-A-N as in Sean Connery. And B-R-E-N-T. That's us. We'll see you next time. See you next time.